It's 2022, which means it's a renewal year and you need CEUs. 30 if you're in South Carolina, and three of those have to be on ethics, jurisprudence, and whatever else goes in that category. Look, the year's going by fast, and you can knock out all those requirements with a MedBridge subscription, and you can get 40% off with the discount code BETTERFASTERPOD. I have a friend named Shelly, and she's a little lazy. Her words, not mine. She hasn't done any Con Ed over the past year and a half until she got her subscription set up. And what she does is she just puts modules on her phone while she watches 90 Day Fiance. Great show, by the way. Is she learning anything? No. But is she getting the local governing bodies off her bat? Yes. Your subscription also includes NSCA credits, OCS certification prep courses, patient education, home exercise programs, EMR integration. There's tons and tons of resources. Again, use the discount code BETTERFASTERPOD to get 40% off your individual subscription. That's the best price that MedBridge offers, okay? Only the best for our listeners. Now enjoy the episode. Happy Monday, everybody. On today's episode, Brandon and I are going to discuss a recent article from the CrossFit Journal. This article seems to be causing a bit of controversy because it looks like CrossFit HQ took a little shot at Greg Cook and questioned the utility of his functional movement screen. If you could, please take a second and go on iTunes and leave us a review. We really appreciate it. We are also now on Google Play for all of you Android users out there. So we really appreciate your feedback. If you could, go on there, subscribe, and leave a review. Hope you enjoy today's episode. Welcome to the Better Faster Podcast. Josh, let's get right into it. So there was a recent article that CrossFit HQ put out about a couple of weeks ago that was talking about FMS and Gray Cook. And basically it was taking shots at Gray Cook. And for those of you who aren't familiar, Gray Cook is the founder of the functional movement systems. And that includes mainly the functional movement screen, which is FMS, the selective functional movement assessment, which is SFMA, but also some more popular screens like TPI and the Y balance test. And long story short, the article that was written takes some quotes from Gray Cook in a 2008 podcast where he said he wasn't a fan of CrossFit and that CrossFitters were getting injured at the time. But I actually went back and listened to that podcast myself, and to me it seemed like the author took those quotes completely out of context. So he then goes on to make a point to demean Gray Cook in the function movement screen, mainly saying that the FMS hasn't proven to prevent injuries and that CrossFit isn't that dangerous statistically. And, you know, he is right about that. There's some, there's some really good – articles as recent as 2017 that showed that CrossFit has about a 19% injury rate. And if you compare that to, to let's say running, which, you know, has a 79 to 85% rate, it's really low. So Josh, I know you recently read the article. You know, what'd you think about it, man? Are, are the egos at CrossFit HQ that fragile? Man, it seems, it seems they they love to stir up controversy, man. And it's funny that like, this is now becoming a thing. I wonder, I just wonder what prompted it. Cause like you said, it's a 2008 podcast and I had never heard that podcast prior to this or heard Gray Cook saying anything negative about CrossFit prior to this, especially recently. So it's kind of odd to me, the, uh, the timing of it, but again, CrossFit is known for being a bit controversial. Um, it, again, it is publicity. This is, I mean, it's got us talking, talking about it. So um, it's, it is interesting that they brought it up because they did pull some quotes that, you know, saying Gray Cook is completely against, against CrossFit in quotes and uh, saying this about affiliate members. Uh, this is another quote says they think they're getting fit. They're not. They're just getting injured. So, um, you know, when you pull things like that out of context, it's really hard to actually know what Gray Cook was trying to say unless you go back and listen to the original. And like you're saying, it wasn't it was not nearly as, uh, you know, attacking as the article tried to make it seem. 
Yeah, I mean, I totally agree, Matt. I thought, I thought, I know the article is mainly trying to be controversial on purpose, but I thought it was really short-sighted. Yeah. And a little bit of background about what the functional movement screen is, is the FMS is basically a set of seven screens that are scored zero to three, and there's three clearing tests that are pain provocation tests. And at the end of it, you get a total score, but if any of the movements are painful, you get a zero, and you basically fail the whole thing. And the reason why I didn't like this article is because Gray Cook hasn't actually claimed that the FMS is an injury predictor for years. He was taking 2008 quotes and putting them with 2017 articles. But there's a lot of stuff that's happening between those two timeframes. And what the FMS is, is it's just a baseline industry standard for basic movement. And that's it. It just gives you information. Yeah, and it's really easy and quick to perform. That's one thing that's really nice about it. Um, it may not you know, predict anything like CrossFit uh, is saying that Gray is saying that's what it does, but it is very quick, very easy, does give you information, and then you can use that information to figure out where to go next. And that's one big part about it is you get this, this array of things, these seven scores, which really, honestly, for me, it's not really the score that I'm looking at. I'm looking at how they perform that movement because that's kind of leading me to my next thing. Um, you can do the scoring if you really want to you know put somebody into a category um, in terms of injury risk or or you want to track it over time but for me it just tells me where I need to go next yeah to totally agree and just to kind of piggyback off what you said you know I am a huge fan of the FMS for several reasons and the main reason is just that it's efficient you know if I'm going to implement a screen it needs to be fast because people are coming to see me to get better not for me to do screens for a whole hour and the FMS, if you do it right, it takes less than 10 minutes to take someone through the whole thing. It just gives you tons of information. You know, I can't think of another much information on whether or not that many joints can get into positions to absorb and adapt to stress in such a short amount of time. I mean, you know, if you take someone through just like trunk stability push-up, that even gives you information about the wrist and great toe dorsiflexion. And it's also really easy to implement. It's got great intra and inter-rate reliability. And that's by design. I mean, you can get trained in this in a three-hour class in personal online and you're ready to start using it right after that. And it's just supposed to be really, really simple to implement. So, um, you know, it's good for that reason. Yeah, it's a, it, I think more, my biggest thing with this is whether you're a believer in the FMS or SFMA, the biggest thing is realizing that you should be, as a coach, implementing some type of screening, some type of movement screening before you try to load that athlete. You know, for me, the, I want to see, can they move their body through space efficiently through the ranges of motion that I'm going to ask them to be able to do before I give them load? Um, because I, again, it's, it's just about injury risk there. So for me, yeah, maybe the, the screen's not very, uh, predictive of it based on the actual score you get but I can watch somebody go through the squatting pattern in the screen and it tells me okay I am able to load this or I need to possibly break this out further because it doesn't look right it, they are they are breaking a fault or they have a fault um, that is something that needs to be looked at further so um, for me it's like any athlete that walks through your door you should be doing something even if it's just a really efficient dynamic warm-up that takes them through different movement patterns that you're going to train during that day you got to watch how they move Move. You got to see, can I really load this person? And then when you start loading them, watch them further because it might change under load. So um, it's important to really go through that whole process with any new athlete. Oh, for sure. I mean, I, I, that's why I can't wrap my head around why anyone with a campaign accounts, any kind of movement screen, especially mm -hmm. FMS. I mean, you got people out there doing, you know, snatches with the barbell slant at 45 degrees. There's just so many people out there that are screening any kind of movement. Mm -hmm. And they have you know, a, a patient or a member coming to their gym, that kind of thing too. So, you know, it's good. And, you know, it, another thing I like about it is just the fact that anyone, anyone can use it, whether you're a PT, whether you're a, a clinician, a personal trainer, or a coach, and it kind of gives you a 
common language to speak. You know, I know you and I have had conversations before. It's just a real world example. You sent me clients with acute low back pain and when we're done, I'll report back to you that, you know, we treated this person's back, but one on the active straight leg raise test. And, you know, just not trying to get into the minutia too much, but the difference between a hard score and a soft score is basically mobility. So if I can passively take someone's leg higher than they could do it on their own, that's probably a motor control issue. And therefore that would be an example of a soft one. But if that leg ain't going any further, that's a hard score. Just, just to kind of, you know, make an example there. So, um, you know, again, if someone scores a hard one on a straight leg race test, I don't like them pulling from the floor. So my recommendation is going to be that, you know, let's, let's not deadlift from the floor. Let's do something like rack pulls, maybe do our Olympic lifts from the hang position until we get that mobility back. So you can still let your athlete train or get after it, but hopefully not put them at risk for you know, hurt something in the process. Um, and then on the other side of that, you know, if there's a coach or a personal trainer that has a client that scores a zero or fails one of those clearing tests, which you said are pain provocation tests, you know, they, they should find out what's painful don't even train it and refer it out because there's nothing that's going to strengthen a relationship between a trainer or a coach and their client than a proper referring out. Yep. No, that's exactly right. If I'm, you know, cause I do, before I went to PT school, I did go through the FMS course and we started implementing it. And you know, it, it was something when I saw, you know, a painful movement like that, you know, it kind of triggered something in my mind. Okay. I need to, you know, I need to call Brandon about this. I need to ask him, is this something that I need to come see you about? And, um, that, that the client really, um, sees that as you really caring about them, which is so important, man. If you come to me and I'm putting you through a screen and you do something that's painful and I just ignore it, or, you know, it's, it's day one um, of you working with me or week one, and I didn't put you through any screen and something hurts and I, I kind of ignore it, you know, that to me, that's, that isn't showing that I care. So by putting them through this and actually getting that data um, and, and really, you know, showing that I care about them, I'm investing in them and referring them out, letting them know, you know, this is before I went to PT school, I'm thinking to myself, like, I know that there's something going on here that we need to get checked out. And um, that shows that I'm, I'm going to do my best for them. So I think it's, it really creates some buy-in. It shows, you know, a good assessment creates buy-in with your athlete. Um, and they're more likely to uh, believe in the, the subsequent program that follows. Oh yeah, for, for sure, man. And, you know, just other thoughts popping in my head right now, you know, back in the days when we did at the FMS predict injury, there was a, a big thing about the score, right? If you mm -hmm. cutoff was 14, you know, yep. if you score below 14, you're at risk for injury, but it turns out that that probably doesn't actually matter that much. Um, you, basically you max out the FMS with a total score of 21. Um, but a lot of times like a symmetrical 11 can actually be better than asymmetrical especially in a sport like CrossFit where so many of the moves require symmetry. Uh, but like a rotational sport like baseball or golf might be better off with that asymmetrical 17. So it's all about context. And, you know, that's another reason why the FMS isn't the end-all be-all. There are other screens out there um, that can get a little bit more into the nuances for a particular sport like CrossFit, like baseball, or, you know, you name it. So are there some other things that you like to take every come first come to you whenever you do an initial assessment yeah i to tell you the truth i do like the sfma that we talked about the selective functional movement assessment and it's basically just a you know a little bit more in-depth version of that fms it goes into uh more more patterns it categorizes things as uh, what are considered functional or not or dysfunctional and then within functional and dysfunctional it categorizes things as non-painful or painful so it kind of it goes a little bit more in depth so I can figure out okay can this person perform the pattern that I'm asking them to um, and that's kind of a yes or no and then is it painful or not for them 
Um, and again, it gives you the you know, asymmetries right to left. But what I love about the SFMA is it helps you break things out. It basically uh, helps you determine, okay, is this a tissue extensibility dysfunction? Is it a motor control dysfunction? And it does that through those breakouts. Uh, so essentially, if someone comes to me and they fail multi-segmental flexion, or basically they can't put their feet together, keep their legs straight, and try to touch their toes, um, or you know, kind of to put it in a little bit more lame terms. Um, if they can't do that, I kind of now need to figure out, all right, why can't they do that? Um, because again, the FMS doesn't have kind of anything after that. It just tells you, can they do the pattern or can, and then if they can't do the pattern um, fully, can they do the pattern with some kind of, um, I, I would say assistance or basically a, a scaled version of the pattern, something like they can't perform a, the deep squat, um, overhead deep squat. Can they do so with uh, a heel lift by putting the board underneath their, their uh, heels? Um, so that it doesn't, it, it gives a little bit, like uh, a little bit of a kind of a breakout, but the SFMA goes much further. So I, I do like the SFMA. Um, I think it does help you really get to the root of some movement dysfunction and let you kind of determine, okay, is this a mobility problem? Is this a stability problem? Uh, but I kind of go a little bit further there for me because I do want to see them starting to load these things. Um, so I can kind of uh, go into a little bit of that. Um, after I've kind of gone through kind of these unloaded patterns for me, I want to see, can they do um, a split squat with load? Can they do, I want to see them do push-ups, you know, like a strict push-up where only their chest is touching the ground, strict pull-up, strict dip. Um, I already said that split squat. I also have some stability tests I want to see where I want to see, can they do a, you know, how long can they hold a forearm plank? How long can they hold side planks? How long can they hold a glute bridge? And then how long can they hold a Sorensen hold? Um, so all these things are kind of in my battery of assessment tools to determine, okay, does this person have adequate range of motion in all the patterns that I want to see? Um, do they, are they able to control their, their body within these patterns? And then also as I add load to these patterns, um, can they still maintain um, the movement that I'm looking for? So uh, it kind of, it builds from there. So I am an SFMA fan. Um, I think uh, it's a kind of a great concept. And then I just add a few other things there that kind of challenge uh, the person's, uh, for lack of a better word, core stability, um, and then also um, starts uh, beginning to add load. Yeah, I totally agree with that. It's, it's definitely important to add load when you're doing a mm -hmm. movement screen or a movement assessment because you're going to get a completely different picture um, mm -hmm. when you do add that external load. And a lot of times people actually get better whenever you do that. Yeah. You know, it's almost like the body is designed to actually, you know, accept some kind of load when you go through a, a movement. But just to, uh, again, uh, make another point, what you're saying earlier about the difference between the FMS and the SFMA, you know, it's just like you said, the, the FMS is a screen and the SFMA mm -hmm. is an assessment. And right. the big difference is the SFMA is diagnostic. And if you've ever been through any of the, like the formal FMS material, the metaphor they always use is blood pressure. So if I check your blood pressure and it's 150 or 90, you're hypertensive, but we don't know why. So an example with the FMS is that if someone scores a one on the active straight leg raise, conventional wisdom is going to say that those are just tight hamstrings. But in reality, you know, it could be hip joint mobility. It could be neurodynamics. It could be, uh, you know, core stability dysfunction. Maybe they're not setting the pelvis properly. And sometimes you need to correct these things by changing breathing. So it could be 10 to other different things. Um, I know personally in the clinic with most people that come in to see me, I'm going to use the top tier portion of the SFMA. Mm -hmm. um, you know, that's looking at things like spine movement, upper extremity, you know, multi-segmental, multi, uh, sorry, words are hard, multi-segmental <laughs> flexion, extension, rotation, single leg balance in the squat. Um, but be honest with you, I don't do that to every single person that walks into the room because right. you know, it depends on what they're coming to see me for, but it is a good place to start with most people in my opinion. 
No, I love that blood pressure metaphor, man. Um, I think uh, it's so true, man. It kind of like, okay, we, we diagnose or we at least we observe that there is a problem and then we kind of try to get to the root of it. And I think um, that's the approach I like to take with, with all my new clients um, and why I don't start with breakouts, man. Um, it, it really is looking at patterns first and then breaking out parts if needed. Someone comes to me and they perform a beautiful overhead, deep overhead squat with their hands up overhead um, and you know, with no heel lift and it looks great. Their knee position, great. Their torso position's great. Their spinal position's great. They're, uh, they have full shoulder flexion. They're able to maintain they have enough thoracic extension to be able to hold that position well. And then I start to give them load and it still looks good. Well, I don't need to go and break out their ankle, you know, um, you know, that kind of thing. Cause you know, you already know that they're able to do what they need to do. Um, so for me, I like to start with those bigger patterns and then if I need to, I break out the parts afterwards. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. Well, I think coaches all over need to really invest their time and possibly money on um, learning how to do these things um, because it, it, it will totally change, um, you know, your, uh, your ability as a coach. Um, it, for me, it's kind of, I just don't understand how someone can put somebody through something without assessing them. Uh, it, for me, it just doesn't seem right. It's like how, you know, the risk of injury uh, for that person, if you're not truly assessing their movement first, uh, it, it kind of baffles me. So uh, the first way to do that would maybe be buy the book movement, Greg Koch's book, if you want to learn more about these specific ones. Um, and it does read a little like a textbook, especially if you read his, uh, his uh, movement theory in the beginning before you get to the, the screens. Or those courses are not that expensive, uh, especially the FMS course. Um, you also get... Um, uh, access for a year to his FMS, I guess, I think it's called 360 or pro 360 or something where it uh, gives you a lot of corrective options. And again, I'm not a, you know, a what's corrective everything kind of person. I think people go a little overboard with that sometimes, mm-hmm. but um, it does. If you are a newer coach, it kind of gives you um, kind of this, this bank of exercises that you can start to look at and, and kind of see how they connect, why that might work well for someone who, who has a one on this pattern. Um, so it kind of, it starts to connect some of the dots for you. Um, so that's a great way to go. I know we've talked about the, the OPEX course um, multiple times on here. They have a whole assessment module that not only goes into the movement assessment, but it also goes into things like body composition assessment, strength, uh, you know, strength testing, structural balance testing, and work capacity testing, which, you know, again, that movement assessment is just one part of this entire battery of assessment that all of our athletes go through before we even start programming for them. Um, so that's a great, uh, you know, and a very extensive thing to go through. Uh, some other courses do have um, some specific ones to uh, whatever they're focusing on. So USAW does have a very small assessment part to it. Quinn Hinnick has a weightlifting course that does have an assessment part to it. I really liked his. We just had that fit, uh, course with the with Zach Long and, and Mitch Babcock, um, the um, fitness athlete course uh, that had some assessment parts to it. And they gave you some great flow sheets that help you break things out. Again, looking at the pattern first and if needed, breaking out the parts. Um, so if you're a coach out there and you're trying to be the best, you really need to um, kind of invest in this area. Yeah, I totally agree, man. It's uh, the FMS is a good place to start too. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just going to enhance your business and strengthen relationships with your clients and it's quick and it's cheap. I mean, that's the definition of efficient right there. Yeah. Uh, so- so what else you got, Josh? Uh, you, you think uh, you think CrossFit's going to get a response from Greg Cook on this? Uh, you know, that's it, interesting. I, as far as I know, he hasn't yet, and it has been a couple weeks. Um, at least I haven't heard anything yet. Uh, I don't know. They like to, CrossFit likes to poke the bear, so uh, yeah. they've done, they do this with other people too, um, and it has resulted in them, you know, losing some relationships out there. You know, if you know, if you remember the start of 
uh, CrossFit guys like Rob Wolf, uh, with, uh, who wrote, you know, paleo solutions, some other books, uh, wired to eat, which is a great book. Um, Greg Everett, uh, with catalyst athletics, James Fitzgerald, those, those, all those guys were very in with CrossFit in the beginning. And then when there was, uh, there was some divide that, that occurred and, and they kind of, you know, left. Uh, and so this isn't new for CrossFit to do this. Uh, we'll see if Greg comes back with anything, man. I don't know. Yeah. You know, there's an unwritten rule in politics that you never punch down. So yeah. I, I don't think, I don't think Gray's going to respond because what yeah. I mean, hey, this is publicity for the FMS too, man. You know, they always say there's no, no publicity is bad publicity. Uh, so this, you know, I know CrossFit might be doing it for some publicity reasons, but um, it's not hurting great. We're, we're talking about it. Um, <laughs> sure. Yeah. So um, one other thing, man, did you see Dave Castro posting a picture of a bench press and said, ready to see this at regionals? No, I didn't. Yeah, he posted that today, dude. I'm I'm actually excited. I want to see, wow. you know, to tell you the truth, man, I would love to see like a classic powerlifting total or, or some type of total that includes maybe a squat, a bench, a dead, something in there, because then it would give really great insight as a coach to, to what strength levels are needed to get to regionals. Um, so it, it would be really cool for me to see that. That'd be cool because then I could actually compete if that yeah. was the case. This, Dude, is, this, was, this wasn't like close grip bench press. This is like actual. I don't know. He just, po- he just posted a picture of the bench itself. So watch. It may be like a single arm dumbbell bench press or something crazy. But um, uh, it, I would love to see a total. Um, but you know, in CrossFit, it will probably be something in some type of workout. I don't know. Um, but, you know, when people are trying to do bench press for high reps and fast, it always scares me a little bit that uh, somebody's going to, you know, drop something. So um, I wouldn't mind seeing maybe a max bench press out there. Yeah, that'd be cool, man. That would, that would, that'd be giving me a little PTSD for my pec tear days, but um, yeah, man, I'm down to start benching again for sure. <laughs> well, um, as always guys, if you could, please take a second. Uh, it really only takes you about 30 seconds. Subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review. We'd really appreciate it. Five stars if you can. It's how we reach more people and that's all we're trying to do. We're trying to expand the conversation. Uh, if you could also during that review, you can leave us a comment or a question that uh, of a topic that you want us to cover. We love getting topics from other people. Uh, and talking about with what you want to hear. So if you could, please do that for us. If you want to find out more from me, you can go to carolinaperformancetraining.com or at CPT underscore strength on Instagram. If you want to find Brandon, vertexpt.com or at vertexpt. Hope you enjoyed this episode and we'll see you all next Monday. This episode is brought to you by Vertex PT Specialist. One patient per doctor physical therapy per hour. Guaranteed. The best physical therapy ever. Check us out at vertexpt.com or on the gram at vertexpt.